Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of MGR Unplugged. I'm here with David again, and uh, we've been out of the podcast for hours on vacation myself uh, for a couple of weeks. And um, David, I think he was not on vacation, unfortunately. He's been working. I've been working, <laughs> but that's okay. Working through the summer like he likes it. And uh, anyways, I... Um, we had the interview with uh, Kayla last time, which I think um, it went live last week. Uh, you guys haven't listened to it. Uh, it was Kayla Wilson. She's a very interesting young lady. Um, it's live. You can go back to our um, our pod and then listen to it. But today we're actually discussing a number of topics that we've been, uh, David and I have been talking about offline for a while. And I decided that it was probably a good time to uh, get together and have a little conversation about it. Mostly uh, tech type topics, but uh, we who knows, we may um, deviate into uh, whatever comes around. So, uh, David, first of all, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me again. Thank you for having me. I hope uh, you'll have uh, a lot of information on this. So the first one that we um, were actually just talking about it this morning was actually Stripe. Uh, apparently, they launched their own capital uh, funding system or financial system, which is kind of like a trend. All these companies, when they, you and I were talking about this too, when a company becomes successful, they they create their own uh, yeah, their I, own I bank. That, I made that <laughs> joke that, I mean, I'm not the one who came up with it, but it's 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 almost true that every company, once they get to a certain amount of success, they end up just becoming a bank. And I said that with the Apple card a few right, weeks ago. Right, Apple did it, and obviously and, we know. Uh, uh, but in this case, Stripe launched, it was just this morning, I follow Patrick Collison, the uh, CEO of Stripe, I follow him on Twitter, and he tweeted out um, basically nothing, I mean, it's it's kind of, I don't want to say obvious, but it's a, it's, it's an idea or, a, or a, another avenue of business that makes a lot of sense for Stripe. Basically what it is, it's a lending platform on Stripe. So if you're a Stripe user, if you have an e-commerce store that uses Stripe, based on your sales data, you can get loans. So they have examples on their site. So let me, let me uh, jump in for a second yeah. before to explain to people, maybe not everybody's familiar with Stripe. So um, what is uh, Stripe basically? They're the biggest payment processing, well, are they the biggest, one of the biggest payment processing companies out there. So um, what most is, like Shopify stores and a lot of those use right, Stripe. Right, they have a lot of agreements with different merchants and obviously in the e-commerce arena, Shopify is one of the biggest ones that work with them as default unless you decide to use your own processor. Uh, but they also uh, work with um, non-e-commerce basically with uh, traditional you know brick and mortar uh, yeah they're retailers. expanding more into that now right um, but so, they started just e-commerce so basically what they do is every time you pay with a credit card whether it's online or you actually do it at the store and you swipe your credit card stripe actually processes your payment and and they the revenue stream comes from the fees that they charge for the processing which typically is depending on the amount or depending on the agreements that they have with each uh, with each uh, merchant, it could be anywhere for 2.9% uh, or 3% or something like that. But they so, don't get all of that either. Right, no, understood. They, they probably get 1.5%. Right, they split it with the actual yeah. credit cards and all that. So, But that's their business model. And like you said, it's one of the... Uh, it's actually pretty new, but it's growing very fast too. Uh, it's, I think, seven, eight years yeah, old. Okay. I mean, they really for, exploded over the last like five years or right, so. Right, right. Definitely for, for a payment processor system or companies is fairly new. Um, so anyways, once we have that explained, so... Uh, so basically now what they're doing is, and there's other companies, third-party companies that are not payment processors that do this. So basically what Stripe says is instead of getting a traditional loan where you, you know, you're, like if you get it with a bank or something where you have to pay them back, what they do is, I was looking, they had like get a quick quote. And so if you uh, say you want to borrow $15,000, right? And, and the nice thing is 
that it's very fast because the thing that, that Stripe has the advantage of that I was thinking about after that I think is why this makes so much sense for them is, you know, they have data from thousands and thousands of e-commerce stores. And so they can say, okay, this store is doing $20,000 in revenue a month and they're asking for a $20,000 loan so they can buy inventory or for marketing, whatever. Okay, and they're doing 20,000 a month at an average selling price of $50 and they're growing at 15% month over month. Okay, well, let's look at these other 2,000 stores that we have in our database at this rate of growth, what are the odds that they're going to pay us back, right? They have so much data that they can do so much analyses and understand exactly what the, the risk profile is of the person asking for the loan and the odds that they're going to get paid back and based on that, charge an appropriate interest rate. So it's it's really, really fascinating. Yeah, but basically the loan uh, verification or approval process is fast because basically, the data is already there. You can Pretty get a loan for $20,000 $20, loan in two minutes, which is just phenomenal compared to most other mm -hmm. platforms. But that's the advantage because there's, I think, a company called Cabbage and there's other companies that do this, but they're not payment processors. So they don't have all the data. So what Stripe does, instead of you paying them back, like writing them a check or whatever, uh, they just take, for example, I looked at, if you borrow 15 grand, they'll take 9% of your sales revenue until you pay back the loan plus interest. In that case, the interest was 10%. So you pay 16,500. 1500 in interest on the 15,000 and they take 9% of your revenue until the money's paid back. Do they uh, have loan terms or anything or they just do that? I mean, do, they, do, you, do I mean, what if the store doesn't make that many right, sales? Right, that's or part anything? of the risk. At, okay. There wasn't a payback period, which is very interesting. Okay. So it's not like you pay back over two years or whatever, right. or over a certain amount of months. No, it's just you pay back 10% and we take 9% of your store's revenue until we're paid back. So it's a bit of a different approach, but because they have so much data, they really can be a bit uh, of a pioneer and really understand exactly the risks because uh, all the lending industry is is risk management. It's saying mm -hmm. we know these certain amount of this certain percentage of people are not going to pay us back. So we have to charge a certain amount of interest to compensate for that plus an extra amount to make a profit. That's the lending industry. Yeah, the only question I have for that is uh, obviously, you know, they take 10% of your gross sales. So if you sell something for 30 bucks, they're going to take three. Yeah. And then obviously the merchant payment, uh, processing fees and all that stuff will take another dollar, dollar fifty. And then you have your own expenses, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing, well, shipping, whatever. So, so my thing is, if you are a very low profit margin type business, well, it's like they anything. will make it almost like uh, not profitable for you if they take a ton or 10% on top of that. Well, it's like any business. You have to right. uh, account for your cost of goods and account mm -hmm. for all your margins. But you're not going to get. I mean, they're basically charging a ten percent loan. So you're not going to. You're not going to get much better than that at any bank or anything if you're a small business. So is that a fixed fee, or, or they also have it's variable fixed. rates depending no, on the type of business? As far as what I saw, it's a fixed fee, and okay. it's not a annual percentage. It's nothing. It's just. 15 Based grand, sales. you pay us 1500 on top of the 15 grand. So you pay 16500 um, But I think for Stripe, the, I, what I think is great about this is, is one, obviously it's another revenue channel for Stripe and it makes a ton of sense for them. So they're going to make even more money now. And two, it makes it a lot easier for small businesses to get uh, basically lending that they need very quickly like again like i said in two minutes because they're already connected to your store 20 grand in two minutes it doesn't get much better than that try going to a bank but you or will something. need to have a little bit of history for them to give you that if you're a you're a small business is fine but you are small and a new business then you will not be approved obviously right. they don't have a history and i i there's just lots this morning so i didn't look at all of their terms mm -hmm. and everything but uh the idea is that 
it, they're making it much easier to right. get financing if you're yeah, a small Yeah, it's a small business. business loan for growth or for you know expanding and your business. The, or- the other advantage too that Stripe is adding is that now they're kind of adding to their moat a little bit because now anybody who, uh, if you're deciding, if you're a new store, okay, which payment processor should I use? Oh, well, let's use Stripe because if we need to, then they can give us financing on top of being a payment processor. And obviously they have, uh, out of all the payment processors, they probably have the best support and some of the easiest to use uh, APIs out there compared to most. And so now you add on top of the financing. I just think Stripe is is killing the game and right now. And the other mode that you uh, kind of mentioned is also the fact that once you get into this loan program, basically you are you're hooked on them for a while because you're not going to switch payment processes or anything when you know that you have a loan with Stripe and you need to pay it back, basically. Right. So I'm sure there's a lot of fine print as far as saying, okay, you cannot switch processors, you cannot do this or that. I mean, you go bankrupt, okay. Yeah, if you go out of business, obviously, that's like everything. But but they will not allow you to just say, okay, now I'm going to switch and then I don't pay you back because you're still on the hook. So they they cannot guarantee that you're going to be working with them uh, as opposed to going to another vendor or another processor that gives you a 2.8 or 2.7 or just basically playing the rate game, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's a great move for Stripe, but I think it's also a great... uh, Solution for a lot of small businesses. Yeah, I know. I know PayPal has a similar small business lending program. They do, uh, but I think it's more of a traditional uh, business yes. model mm-hmm. as far as giving you a loan. And they, I get those offers all the time. We obviously have a business uh, PayPal account, and I get offers all the time for uh, business line of credit, this and that, and all that stuff. We haven't used it, obviously, but um, yeah, it's similar because they obviously, like you said, they have all the. Uh, transactional history for us for uh, you know probably, probably 15 years of using PayPal Pro so and um, and uh, yeah they, they offer you very uh, advantageous rates and all that stuff but I I didn't look into that thoroughly but I think it's just the more of a traditional loan with interest rates and other stuff and you pay monthly and I don't think they take money from your uh, transactions they just expect you to pay back you know whatever you can yeah. you know but if you're a e-commerce site that uses Stripe I would uh, look into it because it seems to be one of the easiest financing options out there mm-hmm. uh, if it if it works. Obviously, it was just announced today, so I, I don't know full details, but Stripe tends to not launch things if they're not very polished either. Right, they're, right. They're a pretty polished I will, I will add the um, the link to um, a, few, a couple of articles that I think we read about this um, announcement uh, when we do the show notes at the end of the show. So, all right, the next topic I wanted to discuss and... Um, this is kind of interesting because this was announced a while ago uh, from Facebook um, as far as Facebook dating. And uh, they um, they announced that it was coming in the... What was the name of the Facebook conference? Is it Facebook? F8. Okay. It's always F8? Yes. Okay. I, I was kind of wondering if I was just uh, F8, F9, F10. No, it's F8. It's always F8. Okay. And what was, that, what was the name from? I don't remember. I Googled it. I don't remember. It's a I thought it was like the function key or something. I don't know what the F8 does on your keyboard. But anyways, whatever it is for, uh, they announced that they were coming with their potential uh, dating application or dating program or something. And it, it was kind of like a little surprised because at that point they were going through a lot of privacy issues and all that stuff. It's like, oh boy, now they're getting into dating and all that stuff. So, But apparently now they are launching that in the US and they are also adding an uh, Instagram integration which i think you and i were also talking that instagram is probably more of a preferred or more appropriate platform for dating than actually facebook we were discussing this before the show Mm -hmm. and you had to abruptly stop me because i started going on a rant yeah yeah, yeah, and you you said (laughs) save it for the podcast so 
Now I'm going to give my well, opinion. Well, yeah, I'll save my time too because I don't want to listen to the same thing twice. Okay. But. Well, <laughs> now you're going to have to listen to it. Um, I don't have a problem with Facebook doing a dating. I mean, first of all, I think that a lot of people are going to have the trust barrier is going to be a little difficult to get over for a lot of people for dating. But fine. If they want to have Facebook, the Facebook platform, have its own dating service, fine. Where I think they're making a mistake is connecting Instagram and Facebook together into one thing. And this has been a recurring event for Facebook. Mm -hmm. They really, really, really wanna get Facebook and Instagram as close together as possible. They even did the stupid thing recently where now it says Instagram by Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the wrong move because Instagram in the social media world is still, quote unquote, I guess you could say cool. You know, mm-hmm. it's still young people all use it. Everybody uses it. But and it's amazing how many people still don't know that Facebook owns Instagram. I think most people know. Uh, they they started to know, but Joe Average out there or Jane Average teenager, whatever they, the ones that left Facebook because they don't think it was cool anymore, they're on Instagram and they don't well, know. Well, because you have to sign connection. up with Facebook when you sign up for Instagram. But anyways, that's besides the point. People don't. I mean, Facebook. People don't necessarily associate Instagram as much with Facebook, um, even though it's owned by it. And they're trying to add that association. And I just think that's the wrong move. I think that you have this this cash cow platform in Instagram that is kind of the golden child of social media right now. And I wouldn't want to screw that up. And I think Instagram is actually the better platform for dating if you're going to do that. But make an Instagram dating app or however you want to integrate it. Don't combine the two. That's the mistake I think they're making. They're always trying to combine the two. And I think let Instagram be Instagram. And yes, on the back end, advertising, all of that can be connected. That's fine. But on the front end, keep them separate because you're kind of tainting the Instagram name with Facebook because at this point, a lot of people don't like Facebook and have left Facebook. There was the whole delete Facebook push and all Mm -hmm. that. You know, that's, I think it's a mistake. Now, now, how does this app work? I'm not sure you know the details. I remember when they first announced it, and I actually wrote about it, but I forgot how it works. It's not exactly like a dating app, like you see pictures of faces and you select people or whatever. They have a few unique features I saw, because um, I looked over it briefly, and, and so they have a thing where you can add a secret crush, quote-unquote. Right, exactly. And so if you, you know, if you have, obviously, a bunch of followers or people on Facebook who you're friends with and you have a crush on on some of them okay well you can add them as your secret crush Uh, so it's a little different than like a tinder or whatever where you're just swiping left and right it's Mm -hmm. obviously going to try to match you with maybe uh i think it was that uh, if you on your personal profile have like two three four people guys girls whatever that you say they are your secret crush and then they themselves point you also as their secret crush. Then yeah, Facebook it, will make the connection. Exactly. Not not if you not if only one party says that the other person was right, the secret exactly. crush. Because if obviously there's a mismatch there, but uh, so they keep that kind of privacy. But they say that uh, if if two people have a secret crush on each other, so to speak, then Facebook will be the matchmaker saying, right. hey, we know this from this, know this from this other person, you guys should connect. So that's kind of unique. And obviously you need to opt in for that too. Yeah. Right. That's kind of the unique feature that they have because on Tinder and Bumble and whatever other platforms you use, um, it's mostly just people you don't know. Yeah, and then they don't reply to you, whatever, you know, just... Uh, yeah. But 
it's also a risk if uh, <laughs> the data gets hacked or something and all of a sudden right. it's revealed that's, that that's you had a super rational person. And I don't know what their privacy guidelines are going to be as it relates to advertising um, because that definitely you're getting a lot of, you know, if you're a uh, flowers company, I would definitely love to see that data on who's matching up this. Oh, you two match up as a secret crush. How about this, right? Like, I, if I'm a, if I'm a, if I sell flowers or chocolates or one of these things, I would be targeting people who recently got matched with a certain crush, a secret crush, and say, hey, send them flowers, and here's your twenty percent off discount code, stuff like that. So you think that would be like an option within the? Uh, I don't know. Facebook business um, my, ad platform. My business advertiser mind because I'm dealing with ads all day. Uh, that's something I would be interested in. Now, on the user side, I don't think users would be interested in that. Well, I mean, Facebook doesn't do anything unless they think they, they don't think they're going to get money out of it. So right. if, they, if they modify their, their platform to add this new feature, it's because they have some intent uh, behind it. And, well, uh, it also could it just a, be... Because they're so big that it could just be trying to entrench people more into Facebook than they already are or entrench people more into Instagram. Because instead of going to another app for dating, you can go to Instagram for everything, not just friendships, but dating as well. Which, by the way, Instagram is already a dating app. People DM each other all the time. Mm -hmm. So now they're just making a, a better system for that, really. Yeah, I'm more consolidated with... Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I need to, I don't know. I mean, people that are in the dating scene or whatever are looking for a significant other. If they say, okay, this is just my secret crush. And then who knows? I mean, that person might be single, married, whatever. You know, I mean, you start putting people that are your secret crush. And then. Well, obviously, <laughs> if you're in a relationship, you don't opt into the platform. Uh, that's what you say. Well. <laughs> I'm saying that as, yeah, if you're looking to cheat, that's a different story. That's your problem. But if you don't join the platform, if you're not looking to date anybody, you know what I mean? No, I understand. But a lot of people will say, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know people that say, I have a secret crush on this actor, actress, famous person, whatever. Okay, well, that's different. Yeah, I mean, it's different. You but can have a secret crush on some actress. That doesn't mean you're going to date them. This is a dating app. Right. It's no, I understand. I understand. But you can have a secret crush on some coworker or some person like that and and you know that person might be married or something but then you just you just have it i mean you respect it but you put it as that and then you don't know what's going to happen in the future so it's just a little bit of a tricky thing as far as um you know privacy and uh, with with all this uh, you know uh yeah i think the biggest thing is i don't about know how much privacy. people are going to trust facebook because their trust is at probably an all-time low but i don't know yeah, but all this is like the dating apps. I mean, which one was the one that was hacked? It was was it um, uh, wasn't Tinder. It was um, there was another one that a while ago got hacked, and everybody mm, was. I'm not sure. There were a bunch of people there. I forgot. Oh shoot! I come back to me. Um. Anyways, we'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what what is this? Uh, what is this going? Um, I mean, it says that Facebook is launching, but uh, is this immediate or? I'm assuming it's pretty soon. I mean, they announced it a while back, so I assume this is the launch announcement. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's live right now, but I'm sure within a few days it's. So live. we will see something on the Facebook um, uh, homepage or platform or that says uh, start selecting your secret crush. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But. All right. Okay. Well, I have a. I'm actually very curious about this other social media boom that we're hearing now with uh, TikTok. 
And I need to admit that I don't know much about it. And by much, I mean almost anything about it. I mean, I've seen some videos and some samples of uh, TikTok. I know a little bit of uh, where it comes from and all that. But as far as from the user experience, I have no idea of what it does or why it's becoming so big and, and viral almost uh, so quickly, you know. Well, especially when we have already, this is not the infancy of social media platforms. I mean, we have the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the Twitters, the YouTubes, and all that stuff that are pretty well established already. And then now TikTok comes out of nowhere in my mind. And even though I know it comes from China, blah, blah, blah. But it's becoming like a pretty popular thing. And again, with, with younger people. So There's a surprising amount of older people on it too. It's, I would say it's definitely a younger audience, but there's a lot of older people on it too, more than I expected when I was looking right, so at the numbers. Do you, obviously, you know more about it than I do. So let's start by defining a little bit where is TikTok as far as the platform, how it works. Yeah, um, so uh, I don't use TikTok personally. I don't need another social platform. I waste too much time on like Twitter as it is, so I don't need another platform. But I will say TikTok is a bit addicting. I downloaded it just because obviously I wanted to know what it was a few months ago when it started exploding. And um, the best description I can give is if uh, it's kind of a mixture of Vine and Instagram. I think it's probably the closest uh, example. It's only video, it's no pictures. Um, I guess I guess you could call it maybe like Instagram stories plus Vine. Um, I'm sure most people know what Vine is, but if you don't remember Vine, it was the six second video app that got bought by Twitter, but then went out of business. Um, that's the close, it's, it's kind of a unique platform. They have some unique features, but, um, basically the story behind them, the, the unique feature is what they acquired. So there's a company called Musical.ly, um, which got acquired by, well, let me back up a second. There's the Chinese company. It's called ByteDance, B-Y-T-E Dance. Mm -hmm. That's the Chinese company. That one is massive, okay, in China. It is, I think it's, I don't want to say it's the biggest social media platform, but I think it's up there. It's, it's one is that of, available for Western countries too? No, that's just, the Chinese version. It's just China, okay. And um, basically, this company, Chinese company, bought Musical.ly, which was an American social media platform. Similar to uh, ByteDance. Yes, it was similar. The, the thing that Musical.ly did is, as it kind of says in its name, it, it was about music. And so it had this very unique uh, lip syncing fe feature where you could lip sync to songs and um, a few other things. But basically, th that was kind of the idea. And so if you download TikTok, it says at the bottom, like, if someone's using a, uh, an original sound, so if it's just like them talking or something, or it'll say if it's a song, it'll have the track name at the bottom, right? Um, and so that's kind of how it started. But now it's morphed into all types of stuff, memes and, and other stuff. But um, that's how it started with Musical.ly. And so basically, uh, ByteDance bought Musical.ly and then turned it into TikTok. So they acquired all their, all their users and um, they've added more features. Just like every other platform, they have filters and all types of stuff too now. Um, but basically, over the past year, I would say, um, it's started really over the past six months. I mean, it has absolutely exploded. They have, um, I think TikTok just passed a billion users worldwide, which is crazy. I mean, it's it's one of the largest it's social media platforms out there. It's already bigger than Twitter, bigger than uh, Snapchat. It's basically one of the largest social media platforms in the world already. And most people still don't even know about it, which is the crazy part. Mm -hmm. um, 
But the downside of TikTok that we were discussing, and I downloaded TikTok, but I've never created a TikTok or uploaded anything because I didn't want to give it access to my photos or my location or anything like that, which it asks you for, um, because it is owned by a Chinese company, and ByteDance is basically a Chinese Communist Party proxy. I mean, I think we there was uh, we were listening to Jason Calacanis the other day, and he said that they actually have an op- the Chinese government has an office mm-hmm. yeah, in the ByteDance headquarters. Right. And basically... Well, that, not just there. I mean, the Chinese government monitors right. every they type monitor of platform everything. or anything in China. So they have a government representative in their office monitoring all the activities, and obviously they capture the data. And they're capturing all of that data. So we don't know what they're doing with all of the data. It's, it's a Trojan horse. But I don't want to give all my data to a Chinese company that Can I have imagine? no idea I mean, about. I don't know how many Americans are TikTok users. Um, I think I looked at the numbers. I think it's about already about 80 million. So so imagine the, the Chinese government now having data on 80 million American users. <clears throat> mostly their, young people. <clears throat> mostly young with their, um, with all their habits, all their information, all their personal access, access to their phones. And the key thing that they've done that was really smart was they have a share to Snapchat feature that's on the page. So it literally has the little Snapchat icon. And so you can you have to go and connect your Snapchat to the app. Mm-hmm. So now they're getting all the Snapchat users to connect to TikTok. It's really smart on their end, but also very devious. And that's how it's spreading so much because the way I heard about TikTok was through Twitter, not through TikTok, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I kept seeing people posting TikToks on Twitter, like sharing them. Oh, look at this funny video. And I think that's how most people found so, it. So TikTok doesn't have any restrictions like Snapchat, that video, or the image disappears once you click on it, no, or no, no, no. 24 it's, hours, there's like no story. Messaging. There's no messaging. Nothing. No. It's just basically completely interactive and... As far as allowing people or other users to interact with it, it's with basically it. Uh, it's very similar. If people remember Vine, I don't know how many people used Vine. It was also similar. It was mostly younger people, but it's very similar to Vine, except it's not six seconds. It's sixty seconds. I think is the limit mm-hmm. um, on the videos. But it's. But I've read that up. It also like if I get a video of somebody singing or something. I can also add myself to the video. And yes, on, they have this feature called duets. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, it's just basically you can have two people in one thing. Mm-hmm. You can have multiple people in one video. Right. Yeah, you can reply to a video with a, your own video, basically. Right. It's crazy stuff. So, so um, what about? I want to be clear. The, the platform itself, um, as far as the features it has, it's cool. Like I said, it's addicting. When I downloaded it, I literally spent like forty-five minutes. Like nothing, you know, I think most yeah, people have had yeah. that experience on any social platform mm-hmm. and TikTok is just another one of those. And it was mostly just a lot of like funny, stupid videos, stuff like that. But let me ask you, as far as the monetizing part, um, do they have advertising? Yes, they're slowly adding advertising. There's not too much. I'd say it's like one in 10 or less videos has an ad. Um, but yes, they're, they're what, what advertisers did you see there? Oh, big advertisers. Ralph Lauren just started advertising there. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, but major companies are advertising there. Okay, so it's becoming obviously a big advertising If you're going after the uh, 30 and under audience, the Gen Z um, or even younger, that's the platform right now. It's everybody under 25, it seems like, is on TikTok right now. 
and uh, the ads ad rates are relatively cheap because there's not a ton of advertisers on there. Mm -hmm. So the CPMs are a little lower than a Facebook or an Instagram. Right. Um, so that's there's kind of an arbitrage right now. And the, the thing that's very interesting about TikTok is their algorithm um, that it promotes. You can have like no followers and all of a sudden if you just get a few people there's there's what's called the for you page. It's kind of like the home page if you go to Instagram or Facebook. But it's not people you follow. There's two pages. There's your following page and your for you page. And the for you page is just um, the algorithm saying, okay, these are popular videos. We might think you like this based on what you watch. And so when you go to the for you page, so if you upload right now and you downloaded your account and you've you have no followers, nothing. It's a brand new account. All you need is if you send it to a couple people and then they share it, right? Literally, like it takes like three, four people. Then maybe you pop on someone's For You page because they say this person might like this content. Because I've gotten stuff on my For You page that has like two likes and no views or, or very few views. Like almost nobody's looking at it. But their algorithm is suggesting it. So if I happen to like it, then it'll start suggesting on more people. So all of a sudden you have people with no followers, no nothing, just average Joes getting literally millions of views on their right, videos. Right, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. That people say, oh, you just posted a video, I got 60,000 views in no time. And oh, not just that, like stupid videos of their cat and it gets 4 million views in two Famous days. Got videos, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. The It's almost like the YouTube algorithm, because YouTube algorithm will do that similarly, right. but on steroids. I mean, it is crazy. And that's why there's a little bit of an arbitrage on the marketing front, where if you can get a viral product video to go, you can get a million views in a day for nothing, for free. So it's obviously a mobile-only type app, kind of like yeah. Instagram started. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, you record... Only videos, no, no pictures, right? It's no only pictures, videos. Only videos. That you can do on your phone. It could be with you talking or just a video, whatever. Um, and then you just post them. Yeah. And the other thing that's already happening, as expected, is influencer videos. Right, right. Um, which seem to be very successful on TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, because it's basically, it's like a 60-second demo video. Right. But it's with an influencer. And they mm -hmm. seem to work really well. So, again... To me, the only problem I have with TikTok, I don't care. I'm platform agnostic. I don't care if you like Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Um, they're just social media platforms at the end of the day. I wouldn't have a problem if it was an American company. But my problem is that it's literally a Chinese government proxy, and they're stealing all of the data, and I don't know what they're doing with it. Well, but, but that's the thing. I mean, with all this um, <laughs> privacy and, and well, issues that we've had, like Huawei and other stuff. I think the truth is that, that people don't care. Well, I'm not or talking about people. Know. I'm talking about the government. I mean, we Google cannot get into China. Uh, Facebook yeah, cannot get into these countries. What's the U.S. government going to do? If, if they break the law, if they do something that's illegal, fine. But there's nothing illegal about collecting data. Everybody does it. So there's no, TikTok hasn't broken the law. It's just that we don't know what the Chinese government is doing with all that data. That's the thing. Um, but TikTok hasn't broken the law because if they if they do something to TikTok, well, then they have to I do something. Broken the law, but I, they, they should probably indicate. I, and I have not seen how the uh, sign up page is, but say, hey, this is a Chinese app or owned app, and your information will be going to a Chinese server. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know how. I mean, everybody knows that Facebook is an American company, so is Twitter. Or this and right. that. They have I mean, TikTok has offices in the U.S. First of all, they have American well, employees. I don't know where the servers are all located. I'm sure they have U.S. servers because obviously they need the speed. But those servers all, at the end of the day, connect back and feed data back Correct. to China. Yeah. Um, 
But, uh, you know, the U.S. is a free market. So if you're not breaking the law, you're allowed to do these things. It doesn't matter if you're Russian or, I mean, FaceApp was Russian and everybody downloaded it and then freaked out because they found out mm. it was a Russian company. You yeah. know, that was a big thing for isn't a week. There a, changing topics with the FaceApp, isn't there another one that is called Deepfake? Where, uh, oh, this is new That too. was another Zao, new one. Z-A-O. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. another Chinese app. I know. And it is... They're like totally invading. I it's, mean, it's crazy. crazy. I, that I, one is amazing. I was actually... Uh, I forget who. There was a reporter I follow on Twitter. I think... I don't want to misattribute it. But basically, there's a reporter I follow on Twitter who it reports only on China. And they said that this app called ZAO Zhao blew up like you've never... Like, he said that... I don't want to... I don't know if this is accurate, but it was something crazy. Like, it got 500 million downloads in a week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Like, something crazy. Yeah. And it's literally an app that lets you do deep fakes. Um, so basically, you can put your face on Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. It looks uh, perfect. You can put yourself into any movie. Yeah. Like you said, Leonardo DiCaprio and um, um, Titanic, uh, Titanic or whatever, or, whatever, or, or what, singing or something. Anything. And it's like a real, real thing. And it's real. Like yeah. if you didn't know the movie, you I would know. think it was, that was yeah, the actor. star. Yeah. 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 So it's crazy. And it's blown up like nothing I've ever and seen And of course, before. you need to give access also now, to the photos. Now, it hasn't expanded to the U.S. yet, but I'm sure it will. Um, deepfix is another thing that it's a whole different conversation, but I really don't know what the answer is to that because you could say, okay, it's a, like if, if, if it worse comes to worse, you could say, okay, it's illegal to do deepfix, but isn't that impeding on freedom of speech? Because really deep fakes are just, because a lot of people just use deep fakes for comedy and stuff like that. Well, but or, you, you are impersonating another another person right but if you i mean there's deep fakes if, if with, it, with uh podcast and videos and everything that we've seen and you can even tell that is but what's fake. where's the line because snapchat has had this for years snapchat like what three or four years ago had the um um basically face swap remember mm-hmm. yeah but and you that could was swap cheesy looking you could okay tell. it was cheesy it wasn't great because it was four years ago yeah but the technology has advanced a lot now to where it's the same principle it just looks better yeah there's things that could be you could do that but it was comical and it was humorous. that's my point so where's but the when line you do a between fake, you're trying to to be, do something fake okay with the intent of of misleading people that's and there's saying. a lot of youtube videos that we know that are pretending to be a situation in a serious political environment okay, or something. Okay, so let me ask you. Uh, that ask is you. not real. What do you define as a deep fake? Because a deep fake is just basically um, if you add your face or I guess you could add other body parts. Well, not just his face. It could be your speech. It could be right. your voice. So, so, okay, but what if you post it as a joke on Instagram? Oh, this is me as Donald Trump or something. Well, I mean, you do and it as the a government joke. Comes after you. But how, where's the line? Do you have to say, like, if you post one, do you have to explicitly say when you post it, this is not me or something like that? Well, I mean, yeah. What's the difference between SNL impersonating Obama or Bush or Clinton or whatever or a deep fake video? I mean, one of that you can tell that it's in an environment that is a comical thing. Right. Humorous. So a lot of people, there's Instagram accounts that are very popular that literally are just deep fake accounts and they just make comedy videos putting someone's face on Donald Trump or Obama or something like that and making them say things that they're not saying, things like that. And they're popular and it's just comedy. There's no malicious intent. They're not trying to fool anybody. It's just comedy. But where's the line? Do you have to explicitly say when you post, hey, this is a deep fake. Here's the joke. Or like, where's the line there? Because obviously- I remember when it was uh, 
Tina Fey and Sarah Palin in the uh, elections. And yeah, some and people, Tina Fey some people, just like Sarah Palin. I know. Some people couldn't even tell the difference between one and the other. And they ended up just thinking that Tina Fey was actually Sarah Palin. Well, that's so, like the famous thing. But, yeah. Remember, um, <clears throat> what did she say? I can see Russia from my house or something no, like that. No, yeah, yeah. From my, yeah, from my like, backyard or something yeah. like that. She never said that. Sarah Palin never said that. Mm -hmm. And everybody thought she said it, but it was actually from an SNL skit with Tina right, Fey. Right. But everybody thinks Attributed that Sarah Palin said, right. I right. can see Russia from my backyard. She never said that. Right. But okay, that's obviously the intent is comedy and entertainment. And there's lots of Instagram accounts and, and social media posts where the intent is entertainment. They're not trying to fool anybody. But where's the line? How, what is the uh, legislation going to look like for that? Do you have to put, if you're going to post a deep fake, okay, it's legal, but you have to put in all caps, deep fake, this is a joke. Yeah, but you get a little bit into the conspiracy theories and all that stuff too when you have like all these documentaries and everything that pretend to have real facts with conspiracies and all that stuff. So yeah, it's definitely a gray area there, but, uh, but this app actually is, is another... It's something that's going to have to be Chinese faced, no pun intended, very soon because... Mm -hmm. It, it is. I th I didn't think the technology would evolve as quickly as it has, but it's already gone. It's already looking very good right now. But you can still kind of tell it's fake, right? Depending. In another five years, there's no way you're going to test photographic deep fake with affecting. Obviously, they don't care about you or me, but affecting personalities, politicians, actors, actresses. And right. I mean, like people that, have that been photoshopping like, things for years right, too. Right. Right. But the question is. Okay, even if it's not perfect now, it looks pretty good. But guess what? In another five years, it's going to be perfect. Impossible you are not going to be able to tell. Mm -hmm. You are not going to be able to tell. So what's the legislation? I mean, do you need legislation? I'm not someone who loves the legislation, but maybe you do need it in these cases. Because, I mean, imagine like, okay, let's say this next 2020 election that's coming up. What if all of a sudden you start creating deep fakes of different candidates saying that they did mm -hmm. crimes or terrible things and they say, no, I didn't do that. And now it's like, do you believe the deep fake or do you believe the person? Right, right. And they have the sound bites and the videos real. and all that stuff or with if, them saying something and they pretend you, that it was 10 years ago or things like that. What yeah. if like, okay, you hate a coworker and you want to get them fired. So you do a deep fake of them uh, do, doing some, or saying, like, what if you do a deep fake of, yeah, screw my boss and talking trash about their boss is that what you do Just yeah do. and then uh and then they show it to their boss and it's a deep fake and that person gets fired for it like, oh yeah yeah there's, these are there's, real there's things tons of, uh, yeah there's tons you know? of situations where that could happen and 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 like you said technology is becoming so much better now it's almost like watching any sci-fi movie from 20 years ago oh of i mean course. you watch like 2001 yeah. space odyssey one of my favorite movies of all time today it looks like not even that. It's that's freaking Legos. Old. I mean, that movie's from the 60s, but even like, yeah. I watch like... Star Wars from the, the 70s. The Matrix, which came yeah. out, yeah. which was revolutionary at exactly. the time. I saw, because they announced the new Matrix that's coming out, mm -hmm. the, the remake, and I was watching clips from the old Matrix. I was like, man, this does not look that good. Like, it looks pretty well, bad. I know, well, yeah, exactly. But, so. And that movie's not that old. And that was like revolutionary yeah, at the time yeah. for effects. But it's, it, yeah, I mean, CGI or stuff in movies are now 50% CGI. They shoot in a studio with a green screen. More. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Marvel movies, the Avengers, yeah. mm -hmm. that movie is literally, the, I, every behind the scenes thing I see of it is just a bunch of dudes. It's uh, uh, Tony Stark or Robert Downey Jr. in front of a green screen. Right. That's the movie. Right. Like, right. they don't have sets anymore. Like, yeah. no. I mean, it's, it's everything yeah. CG. But the point is, yes, these things evolve quickly. Mm -hmm. And if we're already where we are now, where depending, in most cases, you can still kind of tell it's a deep fake if you look really closely. 
But yeah, in five years, no way. It's going to be perfect. And there's nothing, there's no way the human eye will be able to tell. So maybe you'll have, now one thing I've seen already is that there's companies and projects that are using algorithms. Just the human eye might not be able to detect it. But AI may be able to detect it Mm -hmm. and say this, you throw it through. Is this a real clip or not? Is this a real image or not? And then the computer can say, yes, this is a deep Yeah, that also exists. Because all it takes uh, is a couple little pixels off, whatever, and then the algorithm can tell. So I think technology might have to fight technology in that mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. you need more technology to counteract it but it's like everything i mean technology can be used for yeah there's also bad. forensics for uh for photography stuff that they can tell you the photo right. has been manipulated and all the stuff right um i was just gonna make a joke about the uh trump uh <laughs> hurricane map being manipulated but uh i'm gonna skip that one um all right so final topic um we work i know we work but i'm talking about the company so, I don't want to talk the, too much about it because I feel like there's been a ton of people talking I, about I, it already. I'm, I'm very interested. I, I actually just listened to another podcast and they were talking about it, especially about the CEO. And uh, I mean, WeWork is basically um, space. I mean, uh, yeah, they, they just they innovated on the, the how you rent out office space. Right. The Instead space. of renting a floor or renting certain rooms, they still offer rooms and stuff, but you can rent a desk. They basically, that was their innovation so that they could fit more. Uh, basically, they increased the dollars per square foot of revenue for their company. It's office sharing for, type for, thing. Yes. Um, that was their main innovation. And it's good. It's a good business. I mean, it's, it's, it's a decent business, I should say. Their margins are not great, but they burn cash like every startup these days. But they don't own the real estate. It, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It depends. Okay. But the, one of the things was the, the founder... Adam Newman uh, was buying real estate and then renting it to the company, mm-hmm. which is okay. I don't know if it's illegal, but it's not. It's uh, not very clean. Yeah, and then you know he they changed, basically. They changed the name of the company from WeWork to We, and he happened to own the trademark on We, so they paid six million dollars to buy the trademark from him. All types of shady stuff like mm-hmm. that. But even forget the shady stuff that the CEO has done. Um, cause that's been talked to death. I think the thing that's not been talked about enough is that their margins suck. Well, first of all, they're, they're going to go public or they're right. attempting so to Right, so I'm go getting public. to that. They, their last round of funding, they raised at a $47 billion valuation. This is a company that does not make money. And not just doesn't make money, but Isn't loses money. Isn't that a trend money. lately? That companies yes, go public it is. or they don't make but money? At least I mean, you have Uber the, losing a billion dollars a quarter and they go public. The difference with other lift. companies is at least you there's some path towards profitability. In WeWork's case, I don't really know because their gross margins, which is like in any business, uh, gross margins is is king. Okay, why is why are SaaS businesses so popular? Because they have ninety plus percent gross margins. WeWork has like ten percent gross margins, fifteen percent. Where's the where's really the biggest um, expenses? The overhead, the actual office space. Yeah, yeah. But not only that, I mean, they have free food, free. Uh, I think they limited the beers, but they used to have like unlimited beer. Obviously, all the office space, unlimited like Wi Fi, and all that stuff is free too. All that stuff. I mean, Wi Fi is not an expense. I mean, it's very cheap, but stuff like that. Only hotels. Yeah, they're not like a hotel that charges you 30 bucks a night for Wi-Fi. Um, but their gross margins are really low. And their valuation was $47 billion. 
at their last private round. And now they're going public, and they said that they'll probably go public at around $20 million. Less than half of their previous valuation. What happened there? I mean, the valuation was... Basically, the public market said, not only do you guys lose a ton of money, your gross margins suck, so it doesn't even look like you're going to make money in the future. So, so we're not investing. So much for those investors wanting to go public to yeah. recover the investment. Well, they're already starting in the red. I mean, it's really like uh, it's it's really like who's holding the bag last. That's the game. Mm-hmm. The early investors, if you when you invested at a fifty million, hundred million dollar valuation, you'll run into the bank right now. But the soft bank who just invested tons of money in them at a huge valuation. They're losing. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't care because it's the Saudi Arabian murderer prince's money, so I don't care that they're <laughs> losing. But yes, they're losing money right now. And the, the difference between them and Uber, and I've talked poorly about Uber in the past too just because I think that they have a problem of competition, not of margins. Their margins are actually pretty good. Um, and they could maybe raise prices. The problem is that if they mm, raise... I don't know. At some point, they're gonna have to. They're also they're already becoming very uh, competitive, as meaning meaning like comparable with other similar services, be it taxis or limousines, uh, you know, shuttles and things like that in some major cities. Like I was just in San Francisco, when Uber there is not cheap. And, well, that's because uh, of the massive demand. That's yeah, the thing. exactly, exactly. Because this is demand driven, and the rates are based on demand, and there's a lot of demand. Then you end up saying, "Well, this but is Uber." And, what and I'm saying is, them and Lyft are the same boat. Mm-hmm. They lose money right now. They're gonna have to raise prices eventually. But n- neither one wants to be first. But that's not gonna last forever. They're gonna have to, ra- and it does. But they don't have to raise prices a lot, right? If they raise prices by ten percent. They could make money. They need to also decrease the the hemorrhage of money that they have with legal fees and everything, defending themselves in well, every single state. They, they they were spending a ton of money developing their self driving cars, which they've kind of, uh, I mean, they stopped for a while after they killed a person, and then uh, they've been kind of slowly ramping it back up. I'm not sure how much they're spending now, but that is a major expense for them. Um, but obviously that's a research and development. The goal is to create self-driving tech so that they don't need drivers anymore. But they're still having a lot of issues in major cities to, to establish themselves and they had to give in and they have to... Well, I mean, yeah, internationally, it's been tough. They right. gave up in India. You know, they don't, they're not in India. They gave up in China. They, they ended up getting equity. I forget the name of the company, um, in China, but, um, basically the Uber of China, mm-hmm. they own a percentage of the company, but they said, we're not going to compete, you know? So... Um, yeah, internationally, it's been tough for them. But even in the U.S. and Europe, they're, they're, if you look at their margins, they're profitable. They, they, they should be. But uh, they're, they're gross margins, I should say. But they, first of all, I mean, Lyft does this even more. I mean, Lyft, I, I get coupons every week like, hey, here's a $10 credit for Lyft. Here, I mean, they just want you to keep using their mm-hmm. service, using their service. At some point, both companies are going to have Uber to Uber has a prices. loyalty program, too, where you gain points with uh, every ride. And then just like any other point system, then you accumulate points and then you have a free ride. So they're trying to get more uh, customer loyalty and customers to use their system and incentivize them to keep using it on a, on a consistent basis. So the thing but, that Uber, the, the two businesses that I'm interested in for Uber too, I mean, they're getting into scooters now. Um, but the in business I'm more interested in, or the two I should say is one, Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. And then two, one that very few people talk about that I actually freight. think could be massive is Uber Freight. Uber Freight is supposed because to be massive. Because yeah. on the consumer side, people are just looking for a cheap ride. 
on the commercial side, they're looking for consistency, reliability, and scalability, which is something that Uber can offer. And I think that that could be a potentially massive business for them that they're not currently exploring. But it's funny because you are not massively. You see how back in the days how Walmart started. They actually started by filling up trucks that were delivering goods to from one city to another, and they were returning to the initial city empty. And then Walmart capitalized on that and started saying, okay, we're going to take advantage of all this transportation or trucks that are returning empty and start putting articles there to bring them to different warehouses around the country. So Uber Freight is a similar concept where they have trucks and semis and all that stuff, 16, you know, 18 wheelers and all that, that they just, you can add your merchandise to them. And not just the trucks, the trucks is one part, but... The trucks is interesting because one of the problems, people don't know this, but I was actually, I read up a lot on trucking because I was really interested in in that business. Um, just because I think that um, there's a lot of innovation left to be had in the shipping business and in the transportation business. And most truckers or a lot of truckers are actually not employees of some big company. Mm-hmm. They're independent. They're contractors. They're either contractors or they have their own little mini LLC, Joe's Trucking LLC. Right. And it's just a one-person company. Right. But they're actually contractors. And so they work for Swift and mm-hmm. Walmart Trucking and a bunch Even of different FedEx ones. Ground has contractors. Right. And so what's interesting to them, one of their challenges, if you're a truck driver, is finding routes all the time. Just like an Uber driver is kind of waiting around mm-hmm. to uh, for a customer, those guys do the same thing. A lot of times they're kind of stranded, stuck, waiting for certain routes. Uber is basically trying to bring the Uber app to truck drivers, saying, okay, if you're a truck driver, there's John in California who needs to get this to Washington. Okay, go bring your truck down there, get the stuff, and go, and they pay you. And the other thing I'm thinking way down the road is that uh, – one of the issues that is preventing Uber and Lyft and all these companies from being more profitable is the fact that they have drivers. I mean, they've already said. I mean, but they can uh, be they, profitable. They, they, they with said already, drivers. yeah. But they said already that they were meant to be with self-driving cars, and and that's when the profit will really happen. Now, think about this. If I'm not denying be, that, but they can be make money with drivers. Yeah, no, of course they can at least break even. That would be a good first step. But think about this there's a bigger chance of having self-driving trucks than self-driving cars. At least the trucks will come sooner. They're already using them in some European countries. They go on highways. They, they right. only have the drivers for what they call the last mile or the last 20 miles or whatever. Right. But exit as far as to freeways, exit, as they say. Right. As far as freeways and the highways and all that stuff, the trucks can drive themselves. They're going straight line. They don't do anything. So I think Uber Freight, if, again, years ahead, they don't have drivers and they only have drivers at the end, that would be even more profitable. So there's, there's a pro and con to the self-driving. And I agree. Eventually, yes, it will be self-driving for most ride-sharing um, things. The difference is that you have to own the cars if, if you're a self-driving company. Because obviously, it, right now, Uber doesn't own any cars. They just pay the drivers. They're going to have to buy massive fleets of trucks and cars. And that's a major capital expense that I think a lot of people don't account for when they say, oh, yeah, it's just going to be all self-driving. Uh, if you want to replace all the Ubers on the road right now, say the technology was there and the legislation was there, do you know how much money it would cost to replace all the Ubers on the road with self-driving cars that now Uber must own? Mm-hmm. A lot. Way, way, way more than they could afford. So I think that's much further away than we think. And I'm a big self-driving advocate, but I think it's much further away than we think as far as having just fleets of self-driving trucks and self-driving cars uh, for pickup. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not something that's going to happen tomorrow, but I think 
as far as legislation, it'll be very hard to approve leg legislation for self-driving cars in major metro areas. There's a lot of complications, as we know, that we discussed in previous podcasts with uh, the traffic and everything else, whereas on highways, you can delineate a certain lane or something that is for self-driving trucks or vehicles, and then they can just go there, and but they can save quite a bit. And then the trucks are... Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not like you come up with a fleet of uh, self-driving trucks right away, but I mean, we know Tesla is coming with their own, and in Europe, they already have all the bigger truck manufacturers already testing them. They have, I mean, you can go to YouTube and see videos with uh, a freight train of trucks following each other, and, and they are doing serious tests. I mean, Volvo, Merck, I mean, all these companies are already Mac, I think it's Yeah, Mac. but those companies are still far away. They're far away, but they're already I, if testing If anybody them. does it first, it'll probably be Tesla, and even Tesla is not as close as Elon Musk says they are. Uh, well, yeah, that's always the case. But uh, as far as the Uber Freight goes, back to the economics, the other thing that they can offer that is very valuable is the problem that many, many um, shipping companies and logistics companies are trying to solve, which is the last mile. Uber already has a fleet of drivers. And so when you're shipping things, right, the last mile is basically, okay, say you buy something and it's in a warehouse in Florida and it comes to Texas and then we're in Arizona, so then it comes to Arizona. Okay, that's pretty much taken care of. You have FedEx, UPS, big companies for that. But then once it gets to Phoenix, then it needs to get either on a UPS truck or something to your house. And, but that's very expensive. Uber could solve that because they have Uber drivers. So if they say, hey, go pick up this package here or 10 packages here and deliver it to these 10 different houses. That's something that I see a lot of potential for Uber too. So I think Uber has a lot of opportunities and Lyft too, obviously, if, same well, thing. Amazon, as we know, is already working on that too. So it's just that, that last mile is where, where the profit is already made. Anyway, sorry to get back to WeWork because that's yeah, how, I know. We how we started. So that's a the difference between WeWork and Uber, and Uber has their problems, and I'm not saying that they're going to succeed, but the difference is, one, Uber was a more innovative product than WeWork. And two, Uber has good gross margins and has a path to profitability. It won't be easy. I'm not saying they will do it, but there is a path. WeWork has really bad gross margins. If your gross margins are 15%, without counting anything else, admin fees, regular, just running the company, marketing, that's where they lose so much money. That's why they lose so much money. And they're not going to be able to just rapidly increase their gross margins because then nobody's going to rent their uh, office spaces. Because at the end of the day, real estate is very much a commodity. And so you can't just jack up your price a ton because you're going to be not competitive pricing-wise. Right. Yeah. So uh, that's why I think WeWork's in trouble. Forget about the CEO. Yeah, those are all problems and, and scandalous things. But the truth is... There's lots of behind-the-scenes stuff that CEOs do all the time. They just don't make headlines. The bigger problem is that the business itself is not a great business. That's the problem. And that's why I think you that the say, It doesn't seem like you're going to be investing uh, in WeWork no, anytime soon. No, unfortunately not. All right, David. Anything else that uh, we need to bring up? This kind of became quite long for a short podcast, but... Um, um, any other uh, topics that you'd like to discuss? Are you, uh, are you having a podcast this week? Yes. I don't know what I'm going to talk about yet, but I will come up with something. I just replay this one. No, just kidding. There might be some overlap in the topics, but we'll see. Okay. Sounds good. So his is recorded usually on um, Fridays. Fridays, which is for us is tomorrow on this side of the world. Uh, for MGR Unplugged, we'll be back next week, um, probably with a guest. I'm still working on that. But um, until then, thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.